Celebrating 15 years, thanks to GLG Green Life Group, keeping your sports turf in top condition at glgcorp.com. This is the first serve, your home of tennis. Indeed it is. A Monday night staple on uh, SEN, our 15th year of doing the first serve. Brett Phillips is my name. Pleasure to bring you two hours of tennis every Monday night. And the great part is you can be involved anytime you like. We have an open line. You can call it. You can chat tennis domestically, abroad, grassroots, whatever item you want to put on the tennis agenda. You have a forum here on a Monday night. one 736 736 that is the Harcourts open line. For all things real estate, speak to Harcourts or you can jump on the 40 Winks uh, temper text 0433 98 11 16. The all-new Temper Pro, Temper's most adaptive mattress ever is here. 40 Winks, serious about sleep. What is on the tennis menu tonight? Paris Masters, so the final Masters 1000 of the year complete. The Parisians... I said it today on the radio. Gee, they boo anything, the Parisians. They need to just pull their head in a few times uh, during the week. They do it at the French Open. They do it indoors at Bercy. And Novak Djokovic salutes again. We'll get to Novak in just a moment. WTA finals. <laughs> what a week. Have you seen the footage? I don't know how many of you have been tuned in day by day. There's been that many rain interruptions. It is the rainy season in Cancun. Steve Simon, the WTA CEO, has copped it left, right and centre. From players, from the great Martina Navratilova. In fact, he wouldn't come on set and do any media for about 48 hours. There was a letter he put out to the players uh, to obviously try and appease them. Uh, but some of the... It's just been comical. Uh, umbrellas flying everywhere, stop, start. And the situation we've got is that the singles final and the doubles final is going to be played Monday, so tomorrow morning our time. There's an Aussie featuring Ellen Perez in the doubles final, which is brilliant. She's also got to play in the Billie Jean King Cup, which is in Seville in Spain. Now, I'm not sure of the exact flight time, the exact logistics getting Cancun to Seville. Not a straightforward operation. Alicia Mollick's going to be my special guest in the next 10 to 15 minutes to bring us up to speed of our Aussie squad, who is minus two at the moment with Storm Hunter, also going into the semi-finals of the WTA finals. So we'll hear from the winners. Alicia, in her final campaign, her 10th uh, leading, leading this Australian team. She's been a terrific captain, a great ambassador for Australian tennis, player, into coaching, captain. It's a uh, it's a huge position like uh, Leighton's role as the Davis cap- captain. So Alicia to chat to us tonight. Michael Legazzo, well-known coach. He is co-host of our Junior Journey podcast who put out a magnificent edition yesterday with a special guest. So I want to tap into that with Michael. Uh, Paddle, we had the final event of the season over in Perth. Uh, Matt Levy is going to join me. who runs game for Paddle down at Docklands and also talk some pickleball as well and just where we're at in this space. Tennis Victoria's Premier League season starts uh, this coming Friday. Aaron Addison from MCC Glen Iris, who are the defending champions on the men's side, is going to join me. Our regular college segment uh, with uh, Lachlan Puel and Tom Downs. A lot of people out there would know that name, born in Launceston, who's been in the US for quite some time. He listens to our show every week. I've been corresponding. I said, Tom, let's get you on the radio. He's had a lifetime in coaching. He's coached uh, Storm Hunter, who we need to acknowledge. It's a a great story today to be the world number one doubles player 
And what a year it's been for Storm. What a resurrection from a few years of a lot of injury. It just goes to show if you hang in there and persevere, anything can happen. So Tom Downs a little bit later on the show because he has got uh, plenty of insights, certainly into player development. Rolex Paris Masters. Let's start here tonight. ATP Masters 1000. What a week it was. Novak Djokovic as the top seed. Carlos Alcaraz as the second seed who got knocked out early by the very talented Roman Safulin, uh, the uh, the Russian. But Djokovic yesterday, four and three in the final. He beat Grigor Dimitrov. He had a tough passage all the way through. But Novak speaking after winning his seventh Paris Masters and his 97th title. Oui, bonjour, bonjour, bonsoir à tous. Uh, avant que je sais uh, parler en français, je dois dire quelques mots en anglais. Um, Grigor, uh, I'm sorry about uh, the outcome today. You know, obviously, it's never easy losing in the finals, but uh, I want to encourage you to stay tough and keep going because you played some some of the greatest tennis that I've seen you play this week and the last few months. So keep going. Thank you. Congrats to your team, to your family. Um, it's always a pleasure to share the court with you. We go back a long time. <laughs> you know, we've been, uh, we're kind of a veterans on the tour right now. Uh, we're next, next gen, probably, or whatever they call it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 30 plus gen. Um, and, uh, I would also like to thank, in English, my team, because they don't understand French, unfortunately, but I have to work on that as well. Uh, thank you, team, for sticking with me this week. We know how challenging it was on and off the court. Uh, I was on brink of losing three matches in a row prior to, to today, and you guys helped me with your support on, on the court, but also off the court. And, recovery and preparation for every next match. So this is your victory as much as is mine. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you. I don't know, I think I'm running out for words for Novak, so I'm gonna start with the crowd first. Congrats, buddy. Now, I just wanted to say how grateful I am uh, for this uh, for this amazing week. It's been uh, it's been such a roller coaster the past three months, uh, three months for me. Um, getting to the final of this tournament means so much more than, uh, than you guys can imagine. But also, it would not have been possible without you and throughout uh, that week of support. Um, honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful. Novak, again, congrats. I don't know what to say, man. Well done. We're <laughs> running out of words for you. I'm, 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 you know, honestly, uh, congrats for another amazing, amazing week to you and your team. Um, my team, my guys, we've had a blast this week, huh, guys? Thank you. Thanks to everyone in the box. Um, yeah, it's been uh, it's been amazing, amazing journey this uh, this year, um, completing yet another year and on such a good and such a high note. I'm uh, I'm very pleased with that. Thank you to to all the staff from the tournament, the tournament director, everyone that makes the tournament such a special place, such an iconic center court. It was uh, was absolute privilege to play on that uh, on that final to the ball boys, the boy girls, everyone that. And has done such a tremendous job to all of you guys, the photographers, everyone behind the scenes. It's been, uh, honestly, I cannot find even more words to, to express the gratitude that I have right now. So, um, um, thank you all, and um, I'll keep on going that way. Hell of a week. Thank you. So there they are, the winner 
and the runner-up. Novak Djokovic, 6-4, 6 title in Paris, defeating Grigor Dimitrov back in a big uh, final. So 40th Masters 1000 crown, 18-match winning streak since losing to Carlos Alcaraz at Wimbledon. He's 1,490 points clear of Alcaraz heading into the ATP finals in Turin, which will start on uh, Sunday. 97 career titles. Jimmy Connors on 109. Can he get 13 more Novak with, a what, a couple of years? Three years maybe. Who knows? Right now he looks like he could go forever. He might be one injury away from it all derailing, but he's been extremely durable. He can play his schedule now around the slams and the masters and be really, really fresh. And I mean, there was one stage this week he was so close to being out of the tournament, so you never get a totally easy passage through. Echeverry in the first round. Greg Sport took him to three, the much-improved Dutchman. Holger Runa took him to three. And then Rublev took him to three as well. So he got through 7-5 against Rublev, 6-4 against Runa, 6-4 against Griegspor in those final sets. So he had to work overtime to get there. For Alex Dimonor, well, he got the walkover. He was supposed to play Yannick Sinner. Uh, for those of you following uh, would know that. Uh, Sinner's match, uh, the previous match where he beat uh, Mackenzie McDonald, finished at 2.37am in the morning. And he was expected to back up that afternoon and pulled the pin for health reasons, uh, which you can fully uh, fully understand. Uh, it, it just seems ridiculous, doesn't it? We've got that situation. We know tennis uh, can't go by the perfect script. It depends on the length of matches, and obviously scheduling is really, really tough for tournaments to keep everything on track. That did seem a little ridiculous. I know Casper Ruud was really strong on social media about uh, Yannick Sinner, who's one of the stars of the game, who had won the previous week. We were singing his praises on this program uh, uh, tw- uh, seven days ago, and uh, here he is having to uh, try and back up the same day, uh, what, about uh, eight to nine hours, uh, ten hours from his uh, next match, which just appeared to be ridiculous. Uh, what a great year it's been for Matthew Ebden and Rohan Bapana. We've talked about them a lot. They make another Masters 1000 final. Did lose to Gonzalez, the Mexican, and Roger Vasilin, the Frenchman, uh, last night, uh, but they've had a terrific year. Uh, Matty... His best year, win-loss in doubles, inside the top 10, and it's just a, a great reward for uh, he and Bopana. We know playing in his 40s, I mean, you wonder how long Rohan's got, but these two have been a terrific uh, combination. What's coming up this week on the tour? So the final couple of 250s before we get into the ATP final. So in Metz in France, Demonor uh, has got the bye, although his opponent has been confirmed. He had the bye in the first round, but uh, Pierre Herbert... Uh, the uh, Frenchman did win on day one. There was a couple of matches, around round of 32 uh, played on the Sunday start. So Herbert will play uh, Alex Dimonor in the uh, second round. In the doubles, uh, Johnny Pierce will play with uh, Lloyd Glasspool, the Brit. And Sofia, which has replaced uh, Tel Aviv, of course, with the situation going on in Israel. Ricky Hijikata and Max Purcell, the two Aussies, will play each other in the first round, which we don't like. Uh, Alexi Poprin will take on Roberta Bautista Agud. Uh, Christopher O'Connell will take on Hamad Medovic of Serbia. And the top seed will be uh, Musetti, second seed Manorino. So that's in uh, Sofia. Andrew Harris and Ricky Hijikata will play in the dubs. Max Purcell and J.P. Smith, who we'll get to. We love J.P. and the Smithy Naders love uh, J.P. Smith. Let's talk some WTA finals. So we've given the sermon off the top. The conditions have been horrendous. Uh, the Mexicans, though, they, they love getting out and supporting uh, tennis. But you'd love to see a full house at the WTA finals. We haven't seen that uh, for quite some time. So it'll be Igor Fiontek 
to take on Jessica Bagula in the final. So trying to get that number one ranking back. She knocks out Arena Sabalenka today. Let's have a listen to Iga Sviontek and her thoughts of making the final scheduled for tomorrow morning. Ego, what a difference a day makes. It's getting more and more beautiful in Cancun. The, the crowd is jam-packed. They love you. I mean, what a great match. And congratulations, making it through to the finals of one of the biggest tennis tournaments in the world. Yeah, I'm really, really happy. You know, I think that was the, uh, the toughest and also the nicest match that I played here. So I'm happy, you know, that I could really show you guys uh, my game. And um, it's not, have been, it hasn't been easy in, you know, um, during the whole week, so I'm happy that today I could really, you know, get get even better and um, for sure, yeah, it was tough. Even though you know the score is says like what six three six two or something, uh, every game was every point was important, every game was tight. So I'm really happy. What was the key tonight? Arena is such a tough opponent. Uh, she hits through the ball. You counter back tonight. What do you think made you so dangerous? Oh my God, uh, hard to say right now. You know, I just I wanted to be present on every point. You know, not really. Um, give Arena any free points and fight for everything. So um, I don't know. Honestly, it's hard to say. Sometimes you know we really played well and sometimes super fast. You know, so it was I think all about control in here in, on this court and with these balls. Next up, Jessica Pagula. You've played each other eight times. You lead that head to head five to three. But a couple of those matches have been this year and gone the other way. She's going to be a tough one. What are your thoughts on taking on the American? Well, Jessie's a great player and she fully deserves to be in the final of any tournament. So I know it's not going to be easy. And um, we had a nice, you know, battle in um, Montreal. So, um, so yeah, well, there's a lot to think about. And uh, I'm just going to kind of focus on myself tomorrow. And, um, yeah, she's, she's, you know, really solid and she can handle everything mentally. So um, I'll try to do my best and give uh, 100% and that's all I can do. Okay, before you go, Polish flags, all the Mexican fans, American fans, Canadian fans. There is so much, so much love for you in here. Yes. Thank you guys for coming, everybody, really. Um, well. Thank you for thank you for cheering, uh, for watching. Um, I really appreciate appreciate it, guys, and you give us energy, you know, to to play since December to November. So um, I'm really grateful for that, and see you guys tomorrow. Iga Sviontek, a lot of support. They love their tennis, the Mexicans, and there were no umbrellas up today. They got some clear skies. But the final will be 8.30 tomorrow morning, Australian Eastern Daylight Time. So you can catch that on WTA TV if you're subscribed or be in sports, of course. Preceding that will be the women's doubles final. It features an Australian, Ellen Perez, and her regular partner, Nicole Malika-Martinez. They play on the tour all year. They've, um, they've had a tough year in a lot of ways, you know, losing matches where they've been in great positions. Came in as the eighth seeds, get past the US Open champions, Ratliff and Dabrowski uh, today. They'll take on uh, Zvonareva and Sigmund, the very experienced combination. 5.30 our time uh, tomorrow morning. Nicole Melica-Martinez, and you'll hear a bit of Ellen Perez as well. One of the biggest finals in your life. You guys are on your way to it. What a spectacular, incredible win for both of you. Our biggest final. We're just fighting for every point, and uh, we're just happy to be on court. It looked like it was going to be not really the easiest match, but maybe an easier one with that first set. Uh, 
And boy, they turned things around and made it very tight, very close. What do you think was the key today, Ellen? Yeah, they did a good job of coming back. Uh, we knew that they're a team that can easily turn things around and really hit their shots. Um, I think we did a good job of not letting it, you know, tear us down. And I think we're also very aggressive, um, you know, trying to come in, trying to take away the net from them first because they're a very good team at the net. So, yeah, honestly, viva Mexico. <laughs> They got the momentum uh, that turned it into uh, to a third set tie break. You took a restroom break while you were walking over there. What kind of things were you saying to yourselves? Well, yeah, I mean, we've been up uh, setting a break several times this year, and uh, it hasn't happened for us. So uh, we were just trying to focus on one point at a time. And we know Gabby and Aaron and many other teams on tour know how to do a Houdini act. So we're just saying, you know what, let's just uh, do our best and... Let's see if the best can happen for us. Well, it sure did. Buena suerte en la finales. Let's hear it, everyone. Nicole Melicar Martinez and Ellen Perez through to the finals. Indeed. Thank you, Andrew Kresny, who does all the uh, the court interviews over in the U.S. He slips down to uh, Mexico as well. So, yeah, the players have got to speak lots of different languages just to appease the great uh, fans around the world. Off uh, the temper text, temper a mattress like no other, Brett, the Paris Masters scheduling was ridiculous. Poor Stan, the man at 38, should have the pipe and the slippers out at 11.30pm, not starting his first-round match against Dominic Team. We saw Sinner also withdrawing after an almost 3am finish, which we did touch on. Yeah, absolutely ridiculous. I mean, tennis will never be perfect. There's never a set, finished, scripted time. But yeah, I mean, I think we've got to, we've got to solve that. We, we should be past playing at 2.30 in the morning, 4am in the morning, Plenty to ponder. Plenty to ponder for those who make uh, those uh, big decisions. So AT, ATP Masters 1000 WTA Finals. After the break, we're going to catch up with the Billie Jean King Cup captain, that is Alicia Mollick, in her final campaign. Australia in the group stage this week against Slovenia tomorrow night, which you can catch on Channel 9 from 8 o'clock, and then Thursday night against Kazakhstan on paper Australia, you're in a great position to at least get to the semi-finals, but Alicia Mollick will tell us all about it next here on The First Serve. Celebrating 15 years, thanks to GLG Green Life Group at glgcorp.com. Keeping your sports turf in good shape, whether you're playing tennis, football or soccer. This is The First Serve, your home of tennis. Always on a Monday night, one 736 on the Harcourts open line, 40 winks at temper text, 0433 You can contribute uh, right throughout the evening, all the way through to 10 o'clock. Uh, still to come, of course, Michael Legazzo, uh, one of the co-hosts of our Junior Journey podcast. Matt Levy to talk some paddle. Tennis Victoria, uh, of course, Premier League starts on Friday. Aaron Addison, our college segment, Tom Downs, all on the menu following our Billie Jean King Cup captain, her final campaign, Alicia Mollick. She was a fine player and a terrific captain and a terrific ambassador for Australian tennis. She's in Seville in Spain. Not the entire squad right now with a couple of deep runs at the WTA finals for Storm Hunter and Ellen Perez, as we mentioned, playing uh, tomorrow morning and then making the Mercy Dash. But I did catch up with Alicia about an hour ago, as the players are practising right now, she was good enough to squeeze me into her schedule to preview the week ahead. Well, Alicia, thank you for your time. Uh, welcome to the first serve. We join you uh, over in Spain. We're about 24 hours out from our campaign. I've probably got to, first of all, ask you about two players that 
aren't currently there in Storm Hunter and Ellen Perez. I mean, magnificent that they've gone deep into the WTA finals. Can you give our listeners a little bit of an update as, in terms of the travel and the logistics and if they're going to make it on time? Yeah, well, they're not going to make it on time. Well, Storm is. Um, look, from my perspective, they are playing the end of season um, finals in Cancun. Um, it's definitely not spring break time there. It's monsoonal season. Yeah. So um, the weather has really, um, you know, pushed the, pushed the event back a bit. So as it turns out, Storm lost last night in mm. the semi-final, although she's captured the number one doubles ranking for this year, which is just phenomenal. I'm so proud of her. And Ellen Perez made it to the final. So we've had three players here in Seville, Dash, Ala Tomijanovic and Kim Birrell. So at the moment, that's who we have, um, you know, to select from and rely on tomorrow against Slovenia. I think Storm just arrived a couple of hours before the tie. And look, that's the nature of tennis, you know. Yeah. The Storm will arrive, um, you know, basically an hour and a half before we take to the court tomorrow. So after 17 or 18 hours travel door to door, it's, it's, it's really difficult. But in tennis, you know, have to make, um, you know, some last-minute decisions, and we'll have to do that tomorrow as well to see if she's available. But it's the nature of the beast in this sport too. It's a, a tricky one, isn't it? I mean, there's not many spare weeks in the tennis season, and you're in the lap of the gods with uh, weather, and even if they had it gone uh, deep uh, playing on the Sunday, it was still going to be a very tight turnaround. There's probably not much you can do to uh, avoid a situation like this, I suppose. No, you're right. Oh, gosh, I wish there was 24 hours of a rest day or a buffer, but they're different events. And look, the calendar is pretty squeezed. Um, mm. You know, the, the end of season finals are run by the WTA, the Billie Jean King Cup finals, which we're here in Seville, Spain for, are uh, run by the ITF. But, um, you know, that's that, this competition is one that, um, you know, everyone wants to thrive. So this format of, of making sure and ensuring that all the teams are here on one site uh, one venue, one week, it has been the end game for a very long time um, to try and attract and draw the best players in the world. But it's just a back-to-back, um, you know, bumper schedule. But, you know, it, it really reflects well on our players. that they're, they're so committed to this competition. They love playing in the team. You know, they, they can't wait for these weeks because they only happen once maybe, you know, apart from the practice weeks you have during the year. This this It all culminates in this one week here you know, the World Cup of Tennis, the Billie Jean King Cup. So reached the final last year, Brett, so hopefully one one further. Yeah, absolutely. And it was, it was brilliant. I'm looking forward to being with you, Elena, on nine tomorrow night for the well, the group stage for the next two and hoping to get you guys through to the uh, the semi-final. So looking forward to that. And you talk about the players that are there. I mean, a, a tough year for Isla on the back of last year. But everyone loves representing their country, so I'm keen to ask what sort of nick she's in, and uh, I imagine she's looking forward to playing some some tennis, which she hasn't been had the opportunity to do this year. And for Dasha, you know, coming back from another knee, and we know how competitive she is. I mean, she's one that you put out there with limited matches and feel confident that she's going to give it absolutely everything. And, and obviously, Kim, you know, getting to that. Uh, top 100 ranking this year. She's had a terrific breakthrough a year. So a, a little feel for the, the a little health check, if you like, of the three players you do have on the ground. Yeah, it's a, you know, in a strange way, given that, the, the, you know, you you reflect upon the years the players have had, and it's incredibly accurate, is that, you know, we come in almost a little bit of, as underdogs, which is a, a good thing. Isla's had limited match practice. She's rehabbed her knee and after surgery, um, you know, it's been a really difficult year. She's only played less than a handful of matches this year. Um, Dasha has sustained herself and, and again, had a long-term knee injury for a year and a half and 
got back sort of midway through this year. So she's still very much on her path of, um, you know, uh, of recovery and mm. getting back. Well, she's at full health, but, you know, um, full full fitness in terms of um, matches. But that, that, they've trained exceptionally well. Kim Birrell, too, just has made her top 100 debut. So that's, I just think that's incredible. It's so significant for any tennis player once you hit that milestone. I mean, she's booming with confidence. Um it's a it's a it's a huge milestone from my perspective, but and she's shown some really great tennis in in practice. So um, our job has um, been to get the players ready. They are they're all available. They're all match ready. Um, yeah, Isla's been really limited, but you know she's made this a real priority. That's why she played a couple of weeks ago in in Mexico to get mm. a couple more matches under her belt, so that so that she can arrive here in Seville um, and be available to play for Australia. So. It's just the, the level of commitment from the players is just, um, you know, phenomenal. I mean, Storm's only going to arrive two hours before our match tomorrow, and that'll I'll leave that decision in her hands, whether she feels like playing or she feels capable enough to play the doubles tomorrow or, you know, might be more sensible to sit on the sideline and cheer a team on. But um, there's a lot of experience in this team, and I, I rely on that as well, and I need to listen to the players a lot as well. For you, this is a big week, isn't it? I mean, 10 years in the role, you've been a terrific captain. Yeah. You, have, you have an amazing rapport with your players across the journey. You can see the bond, the closeness, and obviously you're supporting them not just this week, all year round at different tournaments and having regular communication. How does it feel for you personally this week? Yeah, it's uh, well, I'm personally excited for for the opportunity of our team this week. Um, in a really strange way, it feels really normal. You know, we are, we're hard at work. We've got our long days, you know, practicing twice a day. Our team are incredibly professional. The extra 1% as they do through the day and, you know, um, team prep with analytics and game plans and whatnot. So there's probably not too much idle time to really sit and reflect and think too much about it. But, um, gosh, it's been a privilege to be involved this last 10 years. I, I think it's a... A great stint. I feel like I've left everything I possibly could have left out there with the team. Um, talk about the bonds, but you know it's a, it's a two-way street. I think when when players know that you have the care factor, that you aren't purely just there for their tennis, but through the difficult times in um, you know their personal lives, and sometimes looking outside of the box. And when there's the trust, when you earn their trust, and when you have the opportunity to spend the, you know, the amount of time with them to, to garner that trust. It's a, it's a really special feeling, but um, they're, they're an amazing group. You know, they're incredible individuals, all of them. So that's, I, I feel fortunate that I have players who are, who show such unity with each other as well. You know, no jealousy. I, often only two players or three players get picked to play. Yep. So we've never experienced that over the course of the last number of years. So, it's a true testament to them, but it feels, it feels like I'm going to work every day like I always have. <laughs> yeah, but the, at the end, you know, I, I feel like I'll be really proud and leave the, the leave the team in a great space. It's you know, my decision was you know a year in the making, so it's um it's, it's not a new idea for me. It's I'm excited as well. Yeah, well, the, the fairy tale would be to win it, and we can only hope that Australia can win. That would be the icing on the cake. And I just wanted to run three names past you as the future, which you will, you know, sit back on the couch and probably watch. But, you know, two from your part of the world over in Perth. I know Taylor uh, Preston was sort of part of the group last year, and we've got Talia Gibson, two rising players. Emerson Jones is playing in the junior Billie Jean King Cup. What a young star. She is already at 14, 15 years of age, Alicia. So, you know, Sam Stozer and all the things that she did, Ash Barty uh, now in the hands of uh, this current group and then the future. Gee, it does look bright. There are some hopes on the women's side of some really good young talent. 
Yeah, we, um, you know, we've, um, I think you, you, you specifically mentioned a number of athletes from, you know, Western Australia, whom um, always punches above its weight and obviously a rich history with Storm and, and Casey and um, we do, you know, Emerson Jones, I think, ranked top 10. She's still got a couple of years to go in juniors, um, is currently ranked in the top. It's just, it's incredible. So I think look, they have great role models to look up to. Um, you know, it does, it is cyclical. Um, we can't produce the number one player every year or every second year. Mm. Um, you follow tennis a long time. You know how difficult it is um, with your knowledge. And it's, it's, but the best we can do, though, is, um, you know, is use those great role models to try and encourage the next generation. I think, fortunately for Emerson, you know, she, she's had Ash Barty, you know, around in Queensland. Yeah. Um, phenomenal role model. Sam Stoza, too, for all our um, up-and-coming Victorian girls as well. I know Sam and both Ash are and are keen to be involved in the future development of Australian women's tennis and how lucky we are that, that they are keen to some degree. I mean, mm. and take an interest. That's the most important thing. You know, they really take an interest in um, our future. One last one uh, for you. I, I, don't, I don't expect you really to give me an answer, but we've been pontificating on our show the last few weeks. Who's going to step into your big shoes? Now, you don't have to name someone for me. on that. That's, I'm not asking you to do that, but... I'm sure there are some obvious candidates. I and mean, this is a coveted role, isn't it? You know, Leighton is the Davis Cup captain, the Billie Jean King Cup captain. They're, um, you know, they're important roles, uh, strong leaders. There's, uh, there's a few candidates that are obvious names that would probably come into the reckoning. Yeah, look, I, I'm not, I actually don't know who, who has applied. Um, but if it was Ash and Sam, I mean, I spoke about their leadership qualities, their professionalism, um, what they've brought to the sport, the respect that they command as well. And, you know, talk about the wealth of knowledge that they both possess. I mean, if Australian tennis can tap into some of that, I mean, <laughs> some of those uh, secrets under lock and key, I mean, we've been a great place, but yeah. really fortunate to have, uh, you know, strong leaders as well and, and great women, um, great role models for our next generation. So, yeah, look, I haven't looked too deep into that or, or speculated. Um, uh, you know, I won't be part of the interview process. It's difficult when, you know, they are your friends too. So, mm. yep. <laughs> you know, keep, keeping a, a bit of separation there too, which I think is really healthy. But, you know, tennis is in a great spot in Australia and just got to keep ensuring that we, we keep pushing the boundaries with women's tennis as well. No doubt. Because um, it's a big sport for our nation, big sport in the world, and we want to continue um, to keep building world-class athletes. Absolutely. Well, the final lap, I wish you all the best uh, this week. Uh, I'm sure the team will all come together as we get into the week uh, with Alan and uh, what a great opportunity for her in the WTA final. Storm is the number one doubles player in Australia. Uh, as good a chance as any to win uh, the Billie Jean King Cup uh, this week. Alicia, congratulations on 10 years in the role and I wish you all the best. Uh, we'll be following on very closely and well, not so uh, comfortable business hours back here, but we'll be glued to it. Yeah. Well, thanks very much, Brett, and look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you. Thanks for your support. What a delight. Uh, that was about an hour ago, catching up with Alicia Mollick uh, before the team stepped into their practice session. So Storm Hunter and Ellen Perry are still to arrive on site. Channel 9 tomorrow night, 8 o'clock. Uh, look forward to being part of the coverage with Yelena Dokic, Australia v Slovenia, and then Thursday night against Kazakhstan to see if we can get through to the semis. Alicia just mentioned the name uh, Emerson Jones. So Australia's junior Billie Jean King Cup team will contest the finals in Cordoba, not far uh, from Seville. So the team, Emerson Jones, Talia Kikinis, uh, who was one of my favourite interviews on this show a couple of years ago, the Queenslander, and Kahara Nishikawa of Victoria with team captain Olivia Rich. So we'll keep across our junior 
uh, hopes in the Billie Jean King Cup as well. A break, uh, back with some results and Michael Legazzo, co-host of our Junior Journey podcast. Celebrating 15 years, thanks to GLG Green Life Group at glgcorp.com. Keeping your sports turf in good shape, whether you're playing tennis, football or soccer. This is the First Serve, your home of tennis. Welcome back. Uh, Brett Phillips in the chair. First serve, Monday night. We always talk uh, the world of tennis. You can talk it with us on, of course, the Harcourts open line, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Don't be shy. Put something on the agenda, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 Michael, one of our great uh, texters up on the uh, Sunshine Coast, uh, Brett Destiny Iava putting together a really strong run of results. Great effort this week in Sydney to win the singles and doubles. It must be a good chance for an AO wildcard. Yeah, she's pushed back up inside the top 200, Michael, at 188 live. If you haven't listened to the latest edition of our podcast, The Grind, uh, with Roddy Reynolds and uh, Ellie Osborne, they had a great sit-down with uh, Destiny. So I encourage you to listen to that podcast section at our website, thefirstserve.com.au, or wherever you do, get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google. All our content is there. Great chat with uh, Destiny about just where she sits right now. But she's had... Yeah, very, very, very solid year. Uh, I'll get to more of the Aussie results in just a moment. Speaking of podcasts, the Junior Journey is also part of our library. We created this about midway through uh, 2023 to really dedicate a podcast to the junior space for players, for coaches, for fans, those in that performance sort of uh, pathway. Michael Legazzo is one of the co-hosts along with Betty Sekulowski. Michael's been good enough to join us. Michael, welcome. Brett, thanks for having me on. Great to have you on. The latest edition of, of course, the podcast that you do did drop yesterday, and I thought this was a terrific edition. So a man that would be familiar to a lot of people in tennis, uh, Alex Hines, tennis footwork and movement coach, founder of uh, T Movement, which you can uh, look up. There was plenty in that podcast. And I, I just wanted you, I wanted you to come on just to, I suppose, give us some, some of the key takeaways as a man who does live in the junior space. Yeah, we had a blast with this one. Um, Betty and I, we both love talking tennis. So this is one of those ones where we had to sort of compact it into the little time we had, but we could have been there for hours. And Alex was fantastic. And those who listen to the podcast will uh, notice his enthusiasm for what he does and his his love of what he does and how passionate he is. And, And that comes through in the podcast. And I think some of the key takeaways that that we got and we sort of wanted to cover was how important athletic development is in in junior development, an area that's probably um, not focused on as much. I mean, there's a a lot of that work being done by the juniors, but how important it is and how crucial um, doing the right things early and building those foundations is to success later on. I thought that was compelling to uh, to listen to. And he, he referenced a person we've already spoken about on the show tonight who's going to be in Spain, uh, you know, spearheading our Billie Jean King Cup junior team, Emerson Jones, this young star out of the uh, the Gold Coast. He told a sort of a great tale of working with Emerson as an example, didn't he, Michael, at a really, really young age on that athletic development? Yeah, he did. He spoke a lot about... Uh, the fundamentals required to be a player and how, how simple some of the things are and and really challenge people um, and, the, and the juniors out there to be able to go out there and do a lot of the stuff on their own and in, invest in themselves. And he spoke about Emerson's mum and how she challenged him also 
um, with her her background. Those that don't know, she's a high level athlete as well. Mm. So he was really um, really good in letting us know, you know, all those areas that he focused on with her and and when to start with a lot of these things. And he also, you know, he gave us an idea of where you know, even the Aussies sit compared to the rest of the world. Yeah, I mean, as a as a coach, when you were sitting there. Uh, obviously hosting the podcast, but also taking a lot in and listening and you, you never stop learning and, and listening and trying to get better and trying to find an edge in your day-to-day existence, you know, hitting balls with players, preparing the, obviously the, the technique side of things and all that combined with the the, the physical uh, development. I mean, that, those sort of chats, I imagine, you know, you've got the notepad out, you, you, you're, you're taking in and absorbing a lot as a coach, you feel like you're on top of things, but an interview like that makes you think about a lot of things. Yeah, absolutely. You start to analyse a little bit what you're doing out there on court. And I think as coaches, it's important for us to have a knowledge of all aspects of development. So whilst we might not be S&C coaches, we, I think it's important that we have a level of knowledge as to what kind of athlete we're trying to create and what we can do with our athletes, what we need to focus on, how that translate on, translates onto the court. Um, and, and a little bit of what we touched on there was if you don't have that athletic development side and you're limited, then it can actually affect what you do on the court from a technical perspective and then um, from a tactical perspective. Spot on. The Junior Journey, uh, this is our last one for this year. Uh, we've ripped out five editions. You can go back and listen to all five podcast section firstserve.com.au, wherever you get your podcasts, part of a, a big library of podcasts that we have. And you, you guys have put together a great podcast this year and a lot of special guests to come in 2024. I mean, as you say, Michael, this is a space where we could do a five-hour podcast. <laughs> there is that much uh, info to work through. Yeah, we're really excited. We've got some guests lined up already um, who I know everyone's going to love and they're going to get a lot of information out of it. I'm actually looking really forward uh, to to write down notes and to keep getting better out on the court myself. Great stuff. Thank you, Michael. Let's catch up soon. Pleasure. Michael Legazzo, along with Betty Sekolowski, hosting the uh, Junior Journey. So, yeah, the special guest was uh, Alex Hines, who has worked up at the NTA. He's worked under the uh, Tennis Australia banner. He's working under his own banner with uh, T-Movement. And uh, it was a compelling chat. You will absolutely love it. You'll take something out of it, whether you're a player or whether you're just a tennis fan learning about all the nuances of the physical side of the game and how important uh, that is. So just to round out some Australian results over the last uh, few days, obviously Destiny Iava, we mentioned there, Michael taking out the singles and the doubles uh, up in Sydney, so ranking back inside the top 200. It was uh, seventh time lucky for JP Smith. John Patrick, the 34-year-old from Townsville, we love JP. He is an exceptional doubles player. He's played a lot of tennis this year, but he'd been in... Uh, six finals, hadn't been able to salute, but along with uh, the Dutchman, Sem Verbeek, they were able to win the ATP Challenger in uh, Charlottesville, and that's his uh, 29th uh, title overall. So everyone goes on a different journey, achieves different levels of success. Some don't do it all on the top tour, uh, but great to see he's uh, partnering up, uh, I think, with Max Purcell, as I mentioned off the top of the show, in Sofia this week at an ATP uh, tour event. Now, we had uh, a few uh, Aussie finalists on uh, the uh, the lower tours before I do get to uh, Arena Rodionova. So it was Derek Pham in his first final. Uh, the young man is also going down the college path. Uh, went down to Garrett Johns. That was in uh, Fayetteville in Arizona. Mark Polman's runner-up to Taro Daniel in Sydney at the Challenger. 
But uh, good to see Mark uh, make a final. I'd love to see him get inside the top 100. It's a tough area to be in around that sort of 150 to 200 or that 130 to 200 spot. And uh, as we touched on, Ebden and Bopana, of course, uh, making the final of the ATP Masters 1000 in Paris. Uh, watch the uh, Arena Rodionova match uh, this year. Uh, indoors, Edmonton in Canada, 33 years of age. Started the year at 300, so her ranking had slipped for a player that had been as high as 116. She's had a 66-24 record this season, five titles. She's played a hell of a lot, predominantly singles, put everything into the singles campaign. Uh, beat Leslie Padanama Kirkhoff, who I believe is her coach as well, and still playing. They were actually hitting balls together and uh, Leslie was feeding her balls in preparation for her semi-final. That vision uh, came through the last uh, couple of days. So, yeah, good result there for uh, Arena, who, who knows, maybe late in her career could push uh, towards the uh, top 100. She uh, has had a fine year, 66 and uh, 24. So uh, they are some of the Australian results of the last uh, few days across at the tours. We'll take our final break for the hour. We'll come back and wrap up the hour and preview a big second hour here on The First Serve. Celebrating 15 years, thanks to GLG Green Life Group at glgcorp.com. Keeping your sports turf in good shape, whether you're playing tennis, football or soccer. This is The First Serve, your home of tennis. Patrick Moritoglu is taking responsibility for Simona Halep's ongoing doping saga. In a new Instagram video, the French coach says that his team provided her with the allegedly contaminated collagen supplement that she argues led to her testing positive for the banned substance, Roxadistat, after the 2022 US Open and has since kicked off a series of events that leave the future of the former world number one tennis career in doubt. There is no way to know it, but I feel responsible for what happened because it's my team. So me, basically me, who brought her this collagen, Mara Toglu, who started officially working with Halep less than six months prior to her testing positive, said on this Instagram video. Halep had been off the tour since her initial positive test and in May she was hit with a second anti-doping violation over apparent irregularities in her athletic biological passport. In September, the International Tennis Integrity Agency banned handed down a four-year ban to Halep, one that she's appealing. It opened my eyes. This is Moritoglu continuing, of course, uh, his uh, view on it. It opened my eyes on the fact that any athlete can become contaminated tomorrow because apparently this happens more and more. This is terrible because you are completely innocent. Your reputation is impacted, hurt by the fact that your name has to do with doping, even though you didn't do any wrong. Your career is stopped for a period of time that is extremely long. It can affect your whole career. It affects your reputation for a very unfair reason because you have done nothing. So it has opened my eyes that it can happen to anyone. And the companies that you decide to go with for supplements, you have to be sure are 100% that this cannot happen. Mara Togler has been one of Halep's staunchest and most vocal supporters since news of her positive test broke a year ago. And that has continued this week, having echoed the Romanians' claims of harassment by the ITIA over the last year plus and calling the four-year ban unfair, Moritoglu has now expressed hope that Halep's ban will be overturned by the Court of Arbitration for Sport. I feel confident for the future of Simona with her appeal to the uh, uh, to CAS because it's an independent tribunal. We have done all possible tests to be able to establish that we are taking... Uh, about uh, talking about a contamination. I'm very confident that this independent tribunal will recognise the fact that she never did doping. She's a victim. She has to come back to the court and be able to compete as soon as possible. So there you go. That's the latest on uh, that today. Coming up after the break, um, Matt, uh, Matt Levy, Australian 
Paddle Tour. We'll give you an update. Tennis Victoria Premier League. It all kicks off on Friday. Aaron Anderson, their college segment, and Tom Downs, an Aussie coach, doing good things in the US. All up in our second hour on the first serve. Celebrating 15 years. Thanks to GLG Green Life Group at glgcorp.com. Keeping your sports turf in good shape, whether you're playing tennis, football or soccer. This is The First Serve, your home of tennis. Great to have your company on this uh, Monday night. Brett Phillips in the chair, The First Serve. You can, uh, of course, check out our website, thefirstserve.com.au. Anytime you like, you can follow us through all our social media channels. Uh, there's not one I think missed there. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, X, I should have said for Twitter. Uh, your YouTube channel, you can subscribe. Uh, TikTok, if you're of uh, that variety, follow us on our socials. We're following the Aussies. We're following the tennis news on a uh, daily basis. And uh, a big shout-out to our uh, big team of writers who put together some terrific uh, thought-provoking editorial content at thefirstserver.com.au. Get amongst that. Also, all our podcasts, Aussies only, Play USA, uh, The Grind, Crunching the Numbers, Match of My Career, Latest edition will be out this week. The SA scene, the push, uh, dedicated in the wheelchair space, the junior journey, as we heard from Michael Legazzo. Tassie Talk, we've launched tennis in Queensland. Many more to come. And the last one that I mentioned, I only mentioned it last because that feeds in nicely to my uh, guest to start this hour. He is the co-host of Paddle Power, which was our dedicated paddle podcast we've been running all year. We know paddle is growing here in Australia Tennis Australia is the governing body, uh, has certainly got right involved, of course, and Matt Levy, who runs a game for paddle down at the Docklands. Uh, go and have a hit. It is a good workout. Matt, great to have you on the show. Hi, Brett. How are you going? Thanks for having me. Great to have you on. Uh, you and Matt Burrell put together a terrific uh, podcast. Even if you're not an expert in the paddle space, you can learn a hell of a lot about it's evolution here in Australia. I know you've been over in New Zealand as well recently, uh, Matt, where they're trying to uh, certainly build some courts, different sort of climate over there and uh, some of the challenges. We know that paddle has been uh, big through South America, big through Europe. So a few things just to cover off. The Australian Paddle Tour, I think the last event in the Open uh, division was on the weekend in Perth. You might just want to bring us up to speed and... And I suppose a quick wrap of the year, who have been you know, the, the standout paddle players on the tour? Because we've gone to your neck of the woods in Melbourne, uh, up to the Gold Coast, to Sydney, and it's uh, it's been a big year. Absolutely has. Uh, before we jump into that, thank you. I uh, appreciate uh, all your words there about the podcast. We're actually loving, loving doing it every month too. And, and yeah, I've just got back from NZ where we're building um, our first court at Remuera Rackets Club. So, um, yeah, it's exciting to see new countries starting to get paddle going too. So, yeah, it's all good. Um, as you mentioned, we had a the last tournament for the year out at Paddle Perth, which is uh, Melville Tennis Centre in Perth, ran by uh, Zach and, um, ja- uh, and... Yeah, sorry, Zach and Ashwin out there. Yep. As usual, uh, the level just, just gets better and better. Mm. Um, in the... In the men's A grade, we had uh, Dominic Bouchard and Sam Asherton, who are, who are the local boys over there, actually, um, versing Pedro Esquerdo and Ignacio Cuerda. Oh, it's so hard to say the names. Cuerda. Um, <laughs> Welcome to so, tennis, Matty. <laughs> yeah, that, that's exactly right. So um, so Pedro and Ignacio are actually cousins. Yeah, um, and, yep. 
And since Ignacio's come over, uh, just in the last month or so, Pedro and him have made it to the final of, of the last two events. Um, this time, Dom and Sam won in three sets, um, which which was an amazing um, high-level match paddle. So it was, it was a great effort. Um, that actually puts Dom as number one player in Australia yep. uh, to round out the year as well. So, um, yeah, big Big, big results. Yeah, we, we, had him, we had him on the show, of course, earlier this year. He was a great chat, Don Bouchard. I know you've spoken about him a lot uh, on the podcast. So, no, it was uh, good, to, good to pick his brain. I'll let you continue. Yeah, I think... He'd be happy to be on any time to, to chat. As you say, he's a great chat. So, yeah, he'd, uh, he'd tell you all about his paddle. <laughs> um, so, in the women's, uh, we had Constanza Cockerellis and Lex Daly. Um, we do speak about Lex a fair bit. Her normal partner, Sarah, and her play together. But um, Constanza and her teamed up in the uh, A grade. And they versed um, Emily Hare and Jemison Peterswold, who are actually a couple of the girls who came over uh, to Bali recently, uh, both excellent players as well. So they made it to the final. Uh, Constanza and Lex won that one. And um, again, that leaves Lex um, coming through as number one player in Australia for the year. So both the, both the women's and the men's finalists, uh, there's, there's a number one player amongst them. So that was good. Brilliant. So Perth uh, wraps up this year. Just, I suppose, in, in a snapshot, uh, Matt, for those regular listeners to our show who mightn't be you know, quite a fay with the whole paddle space. So you, you run Game for Paddle. That's down at Docklands here in Melbourne. Uh, a lot of courts down there. People can come down have a, a, and really learn paddle. We have a, a great uh, hit and a workout, and it's a great social atmosphere as well. And obviously for those of our listeners around Australia, there's obviously paddle centres that are established, ones that are, you know, opening up, ones that have been talked, um, you know, about being developed. Just give us a quick feel for just the paddle space here in Australia and how it's progressing this year. Yeah, so um, it is it is progressing reasonably quickly now. After um, last year, we, we sat at the end of the year and we had, I think, a total of one or two more courts Australia-wide, um, whereas this year we've now rounded out the year with, with two in Melbourne. So we've also got another paddle venue in Tullamarine. Mm. Um, we have we still have two venues in Sydney. However, um, indoor indoor paddle in Sydney have gone from a six-court complex to a 10-court complex this year. So yep. they're by far and away the biggest uh, club in, in Australia. And then North Ride, obviously, still. Paddle Gold Coast, again, um, things are going well up there and they're extending, so they'll be out to six courts soon. Um, and then there's the two clubs over in uh, Western Australia. So, um, yeah, things things are looking healthy. And I know for a fact that we've got plans, um, you know, for maybe late this year and, and early next year to extend and, and our reach and have at least another three clubs. Um, and I'm sure there's plenty more players coming into the mix, I would suggest, Year on year, next year, we could have um, almost double the paddle clubs that we do have now. Okay. Matt Levy joining us. He's a co-host of our Paddle Power podcast, which you can uh, check out here at the First Serve and also uh, uh, manages Game for Paddle down at the uh, Docklands, just under the Baldy Bridge there. Great little uh, spot. You can go and play some paddle. So we've been very much, Matt, with our, the podcast you guys do and us talking on the show into the paddle space. And, and we know, obviously, Tennis Australia as the governing body of sort of uh, coming as that overarching uh, body. But there's also pickleball. Now, those who are regular listeners are, I think, au fait now with these racket sports underneath your sort of normal 
mainstream tennis that we've been used to for uh, for for decades and years. Give us a feel for pickle as well, because you've actually establishing some pickle courts. There are. Uh, other pickleball courts in uh, in Australia. It's huge in the US. Obviously, there are the differences between the two. Uh, give us a feel for the pickle spaces. We haven't talked a lot about that on our show. Yeah, okay. Um, so, yeah, pickleball and paddle often get confused. Um, if I've answered that question once, I've answered 100 times, I always say, oh, I'm in paddle, and they say, oh, yeah, that's pickleball. Um, so, so they are quite closely linked. Uh, as you said, pickleball is huge in the US. Um, It has been in Australia for the last couple of years as well, but paddle's more of a commercial sort of, you know, venture and a venue space required to put it all together. It's quite big and and quite a big outlay. So we've had a really slow build. Pickle, on the other hand, has found a home and a space in community centres, you know, netball facilities, tennis courts, and all it takes is multi-purpose lines on Mm. top of an existing area. So... You know, the build-out for Pickle's been relatively quick. Um, the interesting thing about Pickle is, um, without talking about how um, how the game's played, it's, look, it's, it's, a, yeah, it's a modified version of tennis like paddle is, I suppose, as a quick answer. But um, the interesting thing about Pickle, in the States, there's huge money being thrown around um, for these pickleball tournaments, and that's really seen it build out quickly. Interestingly enough, in the short time it's been in Australia... The trends followed over here, and we're now playing. I checked before I come on the show because it keeps going up every time I look. But mm. the um, National Pickleball League is now playing for a hundred thousand dollars in prize yeah. money for right. pickleball tournaments. Oof. So you know, just to give you an idea, it's incredible. It's, it's amazing. It's incredible. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to talk more. I mean, we're probably pressed for time now. I think it's an ongoing discussion, but, you know, um, yourself and Matt talk uh, and educate a lot of people in the paddle space and and obviously pickleball is emerging here as well as uh, some alternative uh, ways of being involved in uh, tennis if you don't want to play yeah. regulation tennis. Uh, so we'll keep, uh, keep abreast of it all. Matt, you've got one more uh, edition to come out for this year, which people can uh, check out, and we look forward to having it back in uh, 2024. And I've got to get down to game for paddle. We've got to bring the first two boys uh, back down because it's a, a damn good yeah. night. Absolutely. And, and, yeah, you did touch on it. We've now got four pickleball courts as well, so you can give a try to all of it next time you're down. Good stuff. Matt Levy joining us. He is the co-host of the Paddle Power podcast. A quick break, uh, Tennis Victoria Premier League. Tom Downs, our college segment, all to come. Celebrating 15 years, thanks to GLG Green Life Group at glgcorp.com. Keeping your sports turf in good shape, whether you're playing tennis, football or soccer. This is The First Serve, your home of tennis. Welcome back. Uh, Ashley off the uh, text, the 40 Winks uh, temper text. Uh, Thomas Mahach update. After a busy month, uh, Thomas had uh, last week off from competition. This week uh, he is uh, seated one in Helsinki. In a challenger, it's a one-two-five ATP challenger. Now number sixty-four in the world. Go, Thomas. Kind regards, Ashley. Thank you, Ashley. You are the number one fan. I'd love you to call in one day, one three hundred seven three six seven three six, and tell us about your uh, the background story of uh, your love for Thomas Mahach. Aaron Edison very soon. Tennis Victoria Premier League. Just before that, though, I want to welcome in uh, Lachlan Pure with our weekly college segment. A little earlier uh, tonight, Lockie. I'm going to hand the reins over to you. Thanks, Brett. On our college segment tonight, we catch up with coach Neil Shylander. He's the head men's coach at the University of Oregon. Of course, Oregon is a popular destination for many of our Aussies 
that have elected to go down the college pathway. Similar to the University of Tennessee, there is a strong Aussie presence in Eugene, Oregon. Matthew Burton was our a guest on our college segment last week. He's from WA and has just followed in the footsteps of Josh Charlton, who just graduated in the spring of this year. Of course, Josh, starting at Oregon at number five singles, moved his way up to number one singles and doubles, now playing the remainder of the year on the ITF and Challenger Tour. Also, Olivia Simmons has transferred from the University of Tennessee onto Oregon, so she is making a big name for herself on the women's side. In this chat, we really discuss the importance that the athletic team has on athletes at college, uh, ranging from strength and conditioning coaches, tennis coaches, nutritionists, dietitians, sports psychologists, and everything alike. It's really that holistic approach that helps athletes become the best that they can be. Of course, on the ITF and Challenger Tour, that would be ideal, but just from the disproportionate prize money that is offered at the ATP and WTA level compared to ITFs and Challengers, really makes college such a appealing route for many players, not just Australians, but athletes around the world, given how cheap it is to go to college on a scholarship, yet getting an entire athletic team around you to be the best athlete that you can be. This is our chat with Coach Nils Shylander, the head men's coach at the University of Oregon. What effect does the college pathway have on developing athletes and specifically the University of Oregon to really help athletes sort of get to that next level? Well, I mean, first of all, we got we got our tennis coaches and, you know, we're three on staff. So you definitely have a lot of people helping you on the tennis side, you know, to, to push you to, to the limit to achieve things you couldn't achieve. But the whole pathway, I think it's the whole holistic approach, right? I mean, you have sports science, you have strength and conditioning, you have nutrition, and it's the complete package. I mean, it's 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 a very professional environment that you have resources to tap into that, you know, it, it's pretty amazing, actually. And all those departments that you're mentioning, strength, conditioning, nutrition, they're all available to these athletes. Now, if these athletes were going to do this alone on the ITF Challenger Tour, it would yeah. be unaffordable, essentially. They're not making enough income to support what's around them. But I guess the college pathway, all the college departments of athletics sort of gives that readily available to them whenever they want it. 100% correct. And, you know, if you look at the top tour players, they travel with the team. And here you have the team in place that are working for you because, in, in essence, the su success of our athletes is the success of our program as a whole. Uh, I mean, literally, we'll have a tailored program going where we work with our dietitian, we work with our sports science to figure out if there is any potential for future injuries. And we track the progress, get the baseline on the athletes that are coming in, track the progress to make sure we're training the right way. Uh, we have our strength and conditioning coach that works very close with sports science on monitoring that. And, you know, I think it's it's resources you only see the top tour players have. All of these departments that work with the whole tennis team, men and women's, obviously collectively yeah. there are between 10 and 12 players on each team. But do they also work with individuals one-on-one? -on -one? Because obviously... Each individual 100%. has their own goals as well. 100%. What you're going to get out of your college experience is what you put in as well. Uh, the resources are available there for you. If you want to work extra with our dietitians to make sure your habits are right and correct and you fuel your body most efficiently, they are available every day. And they're, there, they're there for you. And typically the people that 
succeed and then move on to the next level and have success there. These are the people that tap into the resources available to them and, you know, work our training staff as well. I mean, we will have a trainer before practice, after practice, during practice, you know, to take care of your body in every certain way so you can maximize your practice every day. For those back home who aren't familiar with what athletic facilities in the U.S. look like, just give us a bit of a picture. Take us through the University of Oregon's yeah. athletic facilities yeah. that's accessible to the uh, Yeah, the I mean, picture yourself in Star Trek world. It's like walking into the Star Trek Voyager. I mean, it's unreal. You know, obviously, we're very fortunate to have very good donors that have built world-class facilities here, but uh, it, it's literally anything you can think of that's sports-related we have access to. And and then it's up to us to structure the program and the athletes to use the program to the full benefit. But literally, it is anything you could think available out there. It's available and, and it's it, it's it's state of the art from training to rehab to, you know, everything. It covers every phase. I and mean, we even have full time doctors and staff. It's literally everything there to train, treat and perform is available to you. And I'm sure players who go down the college pathway who have all of this available to them, then they make that step onto the ITF and also the playing the challenges as well. But all of a sudden now yeah. they, they don't have that available to them. So yeah. what do you feel like college has had to impact on some of the Aussies who have gone to Oregon? I know Josh Charlton has just graduated. Matthew yeah. Burden, who we just spoke to, has entered his freshman yeah. year. But what is that? So how has that sort of impacted as a whole? Yeah, I mean, you can use Josh as a perfect example. When he came here as a freshman and when he left as a senior or fifth year senior, it's not the same person. He came in like a little twig and he left there a beast. He'd be the first one to admit it. But Josh is also a perfect example of a guy that used opportunity to, to really go after it and use the resources available to him. And, you know, basically, I mean, he transformed over here and became, because, I mean, any typical freshman is going to come in and they're going to be uh, well uh, behind the people that have been in a program for four years physically. So that's just part of the process. But if you use the process right, I mean, Josh came in, he played five for his freshman year. Uh, senior year is playing one singles, one doubles. Uh, I think it was up to three or four in the country in doubles in college tennis. And that's not easy to do. But that's, I think, is, is testament to the college system. Um, I mean, put a dollar figure on what that will cost to do on your own. Uh, it's, it's crazy when you think about it. Yeah, absolutely. In tennis, all the money is top heavy. It's all up the very, very top and it sort of yeah. trickles down not very effectively. So, um, and speaking to Matthew Burton last week, he's just entered his freshman year. What are we expecting from Matthew in the program? Uh, growth. Uh, you know, Matty is kind of in the same way. I mean, he's got a great tennis mind. He sees the court exceptionally well, but his 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 strength is is not where he needs to be yet. You know, and he knows that we have identified, and he's working with our strength and conditioning staff and the sports science department. They get tested, you know, regularly to see that the progress is right. But he needs to put on a lot of core strength and leg strength and do those things. Once he does that, to go with his tennis IQ. I think that's going to make the world of a difference for him, but there's, uh, there's a lot of improvement to be made for sure. And, and the other trick is to have the athlete realize that, right? And have an open mind. This is what I need to work on. I need to get stronger. My back end is pretty good, but I need to put in the, the extra hours in the gym. And, and I need to know that I'm going to go so hard in the gym that it might affect me on court the next day and just be willing to push through that barrier. Cause un unless you get to that point, you'll never have the success. Uh, 
that you want to have. If you talk the top 150 collegiate D1 athletes, you know, speaking to other players, everyone can hit the, hit the same ball, but it's just those sort of yeah. those one percenters that make up those differences. It is. I mean, it's physical and mental and, and, and lo- loving the pressure. And I think that's us as coaches, you know, hopefully by the time you get to the University of Oregon, you're not going to need to tweak your forearm or your back end too much because then this level is probably a little too high for you. It's going to be more on, on on getting you physically where you need to be and mentally to be able to compete and compete like a beast. Uh, once you get to that point, you're going to be successful and not shy away from it. If you look at the likes of Rinky Hijikata, Ben Shelton, who went down yeah. the college pathway, if you took a video of when they're in their freshman year to today, uh, it's, it's in, crazy. There's not a lot of difference in how they their technique is the same. They strike the ball but, similarly, but all of those things that you're mentioning, there's their mental. It's just done at a yeah. It's done at a higher velocity and and they're more explosive. I mean, look at I mean Ben's a perfect example. I mean, is there a guy fitter than him on tour right now that can hit a bigger ball? Or heavier, thicker ball, I should say. Everybody can serve it maybe hard and flat, but the thickness to it, it's just he's a physical specimen, you know. And uh, we've had guys that come in, and and if you don't develop that part of your game, the physicality, you're going to get eaten alive at a high-level D1 college tennis because that, that I think a lot of people don't realize how high the level actually is. Uh, high-level D1 college tennis is very, very good, and you know, you might be the best in your country when you're 17 years old, but when you come here, you play against men. And knowing what you get into, I guess, is part of it, too. And that's where the federations play a big part across the world and think they should utilize this college pathway because it, it's a great stepping stone into the pros. Coach Niels, thank you so much for coming on our college segment. So many great insights into your program. You're doing a great job. Oregon's done some great things to our Aussie players. So thank you again. And we look forward to catching up with yeah, you in the future. Absolutely. I love me Miasis. I like them. Simple people work hard and that's the way we like it out here at Oregon. You know, we've had quite a few and they've all loved it here and we love them. Great catching up with coach Niels Schilander, the head men's coach at the University of Oregon, really discussing the importance of having a holistic athletic team around all student athletes while getting a degree at the same time. If you haven't listened to our last edition of Play USA, episode 10 was released last week. However, you listen to your podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, whichever one suits you. We have a couple of great chats really talking about the community college pathway as a stepping stone to a four-year college. Uh, We catch up with Melbourne's Charlie Brady. He's in his sophomore year at Jones County Junior College and also Coach Dash Connell. He's the head men and women's coach at Tyler Junior College. So they are a a staple top three program on the men and women's side in junior college tennis. We also uh, have a special guest, uh, Troy Weston. He's a U.S. consular officer at the U.S. consulate in Melbourne. So we really unpack and unravel the ins and outs of the F1 student visa, which is required to go to college in the U.S. That's a wrap for our college segment this week. Brett, if you'd like to reach out to us, email is probably the best way to do that. The first serve, sen at gmail.com. 
It's back over to you, Brett. Yeah, thanks, Locke. Always enjoy our college uh, segment, Play USA. You can have listened to all the podcasts throughout the year. AATC, Australasian Academy of Tennis Coaches, providing quality coach education right across the globe. Courses delivered by industry leaders and tennis business owners. You can learn locally, coach globally, internationally endorse. They are recruiting for 2024. Inquire and enrol at aatc.tennis. Back with more of the first serve all the way through to 10 o'clock. Celebrating 15 years, thanks to GLG Green Life Group at glgcorp.com. Keeping your sports turf in good shape, whether you're playing tennis, football or soccer. This is the first serve, your home of tennis. Great to have our college segment. Tom Downs uh, still to come. Let's uh, talk some Tennis Victoria Premier League. It is back in 2023. It all kicks off on uh, Friday at the beautiful Kuyong Lawn Tennis Club. Uh, all the way through to the following Saturday, uh, Kuyong will host uh, the grand final. I was uh, there for the grand final last year. It was terrific competition. MCC Glen Iris on the men's side of the defending champions. Aaron Anderson is a key member of that uh, team and he's been good enough to join us. Aaron, great to have you on the first serve. Yep, can you hear me, Brett? Loud and clear. Thank That's you for your beautiful. patience, mate. Thanks, we uh, just sorted through a couple of things uh, here. I-, I imagine you're looking forward to... Uh, the competition again, uh, MCC Glen Iris, great uh, club. Uh, tell us a bit about your team uh, for this campaign. Absolutely, mate. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be great to get back into the into the Premier League season. Uh, as you pointed out, um, I'm very fortunate to play for a great club um, with great history from MCC and Glen Iris, um, and we've got a great program right from the juniors through to our Premier League team. So. Uh, very fortunate to play. We've got a, a few returning faces and a few new faces this year, so it should uh, should be a great season for us. Yeah, give us some names. Take us through the team. Uh, so our team for this year will start off with, with Alex Bolt at number one. Beautiful. Um, so, yeah, obviously Bolty, been around a long time, uh, quality player. Um, and then this year we've also added Jake Delaney, who's just come off. Mm. Uh, I think two finals yep. on the Australian Pro Tour yeah, in did. the last couple of months um, to go with Matt Romios, who I believe is at a career high doubles ranking of about 130 in the world this week. Yeah, we're trying to get uh, Matty in. I actually ran into him uh, on an aeroplane a couple of weeks ago, and his results have been fantastic uh, the last uh, year. So we're hoping to get him in the studio when yep. he uh, parks himself uh, well, back in Victoria, which will be this week. So you've just prompted me to uh, get yeah. on to him. That, that's a good team. Well, yeah, well, look, we're we're strong strong on paper. Hopefully, we can uh, we can get everyone onto the park. I know Matt's ducked off to Japan, so he'll miss a couple of games this week. Yep. Uh, so look, and then we we got uh, somewhat fortunate uh, to pick up uh, Omar Fields. He's come over to us from mm. uh, from Bo Morris as well, mm-hmm. um, and also yes, yeah, Stefan Vujic as well. Um, just great guys who really help us build our club culture um, that we've tried to work hard to build over the last uh, six years, um, really, where we've been in a period where we've won, been lucky enough to win the league four times in the last six years. So we've managed to really uh, build that strong club culture up. And you're hosting a round on Sunday, uh, Royal Park, of course, uh, Grace Park, uh, uh, Hawthorne uh, Men and Women on uh, Saturday. Hume Tennis and Community Centre have been great partners of our show. We'll be in action next Thursday, the 16th. Uh, the beautiful Royal South Yarra will host all the action on the 17th. And Kuyong uh, will start proceedings on uh, Friday and then round it out with the grand final next uh, Saturday week, which is, uh, that's a great step up, isn't it? Because we were indoors at the 
uh, NTC last year. So to go to Kuyong just gives it even uh, even more prestige. Absolutely, it's uh, it's been great to see the crowds build for the grand final at the uh, at the NTC. But obviously, um, viewing wise, to play in the Kuyong Stadium on that final Saturday will be absolutely fantastic. To play the uh, the three matches on the hard court side by side there uh, will hopefully provide great atmosphere and great publicity for the league. Yeah, brilliantly done. So thirty thousand dollars in uh, prize money. Uh, it's uh, it's quick. It's over a week. It's a nice way to round out uh, the year. We've had state grade, of course, uh, during the year, which we uh, have publicised and spoken to many of the competitors. So uh, some really good opportunities to play some good level tennis, uh, Aaron, here in Victoria. Exactly right. And, um, you know, you just alluded to it, that we we have a very clear pathway now. Um, You know, you can play your juniors, you can play uh, pennant, you can play state grade pennant, and then you can move up into, into Premier League, which is really the elite of the elite. Um, and, you know, you mentioned state grade as well. The Faulkner team, by uh, winning state grade this year, they now have a team in Premier League, um, and they have a number of great players. They'll be a big threat this year now in in kind of the bigger league. Um, now that they've won in state grade, they continue to move up. Yeah, great stuff. Uh, look forward to uh, being there for the grand final, and, of course, you can follow the competition uh, right through the Tennis Victoria social uh, channels and, obviously, the clubs themselves doing some great work in that space. A lot of action being streamed over uh, the week of the Tennis Victoria Premier League. Aaron, thank you. Uh, I look forward to meeting you in person at the Granny. Thanks for having me, Brad. And, yeah, everyone, get down to uh, MCC Glen Iris Tennis Club on Sunday afternoon, 3 p.m. Very nice setup. I've been on the balcony there at MCC. It's a good setup indeed. A quick break. We'll come back, round out the show with Tom Downs, Australian coach over in the US. Celebrating 15 years. Thanks to GLG Green Life Group at glgcorp.com. Keeping your sports turf in good shape, whether you're playing tennis, football, or soccer. This is the first serve, your home of tennis. To round out the first serve on this Monday night. Tom Downs. Many of you would be familiar with Tom. Uh, Australian-born, professional tennis coach, tennis performance and development. He's been a writer and contributor for uh, many tennis magazines. WTA tour coach. He has been a long time coaching in the United States. He listens to our show, the podcast version of our show weekly. And uh, we sat down and had a chat earlier today. I'm a huge fan, mate. I think it's a tremendous podcast. I love it. I think it's excellent content. I'm great to be a very small part of it. Thanks for having me, Brett. Great to have you. In fact, you're in uh, Edmonton. I was watching, uh, obviously, Arena Rodionova play uh, today. What a year she's had. A bit of a, a career resurgence after being at about 300 at the start of this year. She has put her foot down fifth title indoors Good matchup, and, and you you were there this week. I was there this week, you know, and obviously she had a great run. She played, you know, she was awfully tough. And she played some great tennis, and had off to her. She deserved to win. And, and tell us your role there this week, because you, obviously you're working with different players as a coach, uh, specifically this week. I've just started full time with a young American player called Liv Hobby. She was actually developed as a junior by the Aussie legendary ex-player Phil Dent. Obviously, Phil, you know, he was a great 
great player and a great coach, and he's a good friend of mine, and he did a tremendous job developing Liv. You know, she was a Wimbledon junior champion last year, and mm. uh, she was after a full-time coach, and, you know, he thought that I'd be a good fit for her, just kind of with the Aussie, you know, she gets along well with Australian. She's good friends with Taylor Preston, and knows Taylor's coach, Brad Dyer, and he's a good friend of mine as well. So that was our first week last week. It was a good first week. It's working out great. The connection is good. Lots of work to be done, but it's a great project. She's a great young lady. We also find out today a player that you previously coached is now the world number one doubles player, Storm Hunter. That, that is something, isn't it? That is something, and, you know, I'm so happy for Stormy. I mean, she's a, she's a great person. I mean, I had a great year coaching her in 2021. We did the whole season. Um, you know, she achieved a career high ranking in singles of 119. And, uh, you know, I think she's a much better player than that. I think the main thing for Storm in singles is obviously staying healthy. But, you know, I'm so happy she's number one in the world in doubles. It, it really couldn't have happened to her a nicer human being. Absolutely uh, spot on. And she's got to make the quick dash to uh, join the Billie Jean King Cup team in Spain this week, so we hope Australia can have a bit of success. So, for a man born in Launceston, give us a snapshot of the journey that's led to you being overseas now in the States for quite some time, going down the coaching path. Give us a, a snapshot for those tuning in tonight who aren't aware of your story. I was born in Launceston, Tasmania. I lived there for 12 years. My family moved to Brisbane in 1996. I played tennis at, at the Coops Tennis Centre, which is just down the road from my house. Still my parents' house in Brisbane. We've been in the same house since 96. Went to Nudgee College from 1997 to 2001. Upon graduation, I took a full tennis scholarship at South Carolina State, which is a small Division One school, but a very, very strong, you know, area of, you know, for tennis. I played there from 2002 to 2006. Graduated from there with a degree in mass communications and during my time at South Carolina State, I would actually go down to Saddlebrook and do summer internships. And I just, you know, I'd coach there and be a sparring partner for players like Justine Hanna and Martina Hingis, Christina Brandy. Because at that time, Saddlebrook was the official WTA training center. So it was just incredible to be a part of that. I worked three summers at Saddlebrook. When I graduated in 2006, I actually spent a year there, you know, on the staff full time. It was actually there but I got to be a heading partner for Sam Stoser and got to know her great and Renee Stubbs was also based in the Tampa area at that time so I, I was able to hit with her a lot you know I finished up being a part-time traveling coach for Stubbsy for about five years did a fair bit of work with Sam Stoser as well when she was you know in Tampa there you know, mm. in between tournaments it's a great experience I mean I was just lucky at the start for sure 2007 well I actually met a guy called Harold Solomon who was number five in the world as a player. He won 22 ATP titles and at the time that I met him in 2006, he was coaching Daniela Hantakova and he was interested in opening a small tennis academy in South Florida. In 2007, I was actually working in Pittsburgh, you know, for a year. I wanted to try something a bit different and I had a friend of mine that owned a, a pretty large, successful club, so I wanted to do something a bit different besides the pro tour and kind of being a heading partner and all that, so I worked up there for a year and it's a great city just a bit too cold for me anyway about halfway 
through 2007, I got a phone call from Harold and he asked me if I had any interest in coming down to, you know, to be a part of the team at his tennis institute, which he just opened. And I said, absolutely, yes. So I, I left Pittsburgh at the end of 2007 and went down to Harold's in 2008. Yeah, the 5 operation at Belorda Dale Tennis Club, which is a very well-known club in South Florida. That was a great experience. I mean, the opportunities I got there were just amazing. Mm -hmm. I worked at Harrods from 2008 to 2016 in different roles. I was able to work with players such as Elena Dementiova and be a travelling coach for her and Shahar Pear, Vera who was a mm -hmm. top 40 player. Yeah. Um, I think there was a point there during one pre-season we had two top 20 players, three top 50 players and four top 100 players all on the WTA Tour. It's a great experience. I mean, it was a very small setting. had a maximum of two players on every court. It was a very intense environment and, and it was just, uh, it was the best experience I've got. Yeah. I just had a fantastic mentor in Harold. I mean, he was just great to me and still is to this day. So I was just very lucky. So that South Florida tennis culture, player development in that part of the world and you've gone on to also work in Dallas. In a nutshell, Tom, because you listen to our show a lot, you know we discuss player development, yeah. the pathway. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of comparisons to what we do compared to the US and also Europe in developing players and the coaching methodology. Give us a snapshot of how you're seeing it. Well, South Florida is, you know, for me, it's for tennis in the world because there's so many courts, there's so many coaches, there's lots of small academies. You've got the big-name brand academies like Everett Tennis Academy. You've got guys like Nick Saviano that has a good tennis academy then you've got the pro world and the one tennis academies and then you have you know lots of independent contractors and small academies it's a very saturated market it's very very competitive i mean i often tell people if you're a coach there as soon as you get a student the student has to win straight away or we're just going to leave you and go to a different coach and you you know you have to you have to produce results and, and the parents are very intense the players are very intense I mean, it's great. Look, I mean, I loved it. It's a, it's a non-stop. It's, you know, it's fast-paced. It's very fluid. It's always changing. You know, you, I mean, if you keep a player for like a year or two, you're doing a great job because there is, you know, because parents and players want result. Like I said, it's, it's just extremely competitive. And, you know, I think it takes a certain animal as a coach to work there. You know, in different parts of America, it's more laid back. It's more easy going. You know, I think coaches tend to work for the weekends and to support their families. But in South Florida, you've got to get results. And I think if you look at the West Palm Beach area, all the way down to the Fort Lauderdale area, there's probably something like 10 exits off of 95 which is the main road that runs through South Florida, at yep. least on the, on the eastern part of South Florida. There's many, many public courts off of every exit. There's tennis academies on every exit. Mm. There's mm. private coaches in all communities. Then you've got a guy like a Rick Macy that has a, you know, that has a large tennis centre and, um, you know, obviously he's extremely successful and well-known. So you really have to be on top of your stuff. You have to be ahead of the game. You know, it's... Not for everyone, but no. I, I seem to love it. So. Well, what do you what do you think is the number one standout? And you've just illustrated and painted a really good picture there of the culture and what it's like compared to Australian player development. What's the, what's the biggest 
point of difference, do you think? Well, I think in South Florida, you've got coaches with all different philosophies, first of all. You know, you've got the coaches out there that like to hit thousands of balls and work very, very hard. And no, it might not be so technical, but you've got the guys who are very good in all areas you know you've got guys who are technically great they're very very intense coaches have to hit like a, a lot of balls there to be successful i mean you've got to hit all day with students mm. just the intensity in, in south florida is much greater because you do really have to produce results in the short term i think in australia you know we don't have as many coaches we don't have as many players uh you know so i, I think we're probably more process oriented i think in terms of the players from the ones I've come across, I think. I think the Americans probably dream bigger than we do. They seem to have big, big goals from a young age, and you know their their pathways more planned out. That's just kind of how their culture is. I think Australians, obviously, a laid back country. We do have some great coaches, some very good coaches. I think most of our coaches, for the most part, are probably laid back coaches. Your own coaching philosophy and the way you coach, and you mentioned you know, some experienced names that you worked with going back, Stubbsy and Sam Stozer, and then you obviously you've, you've guided a lot of you know, younger players uh, who are you know beginning their journey. Your own coaching evolution? I've always taken a look at each player and I take an honest look at each player and I'm like, this is how this player has to play based on their physicality and personality. And this is the list of, you know, the most important things, you know, that have to get better. In the short term, you know, and then you have your list of things you've got to find to more and stuff like that. I also talk to junior coaches of lots of these players because if you want to get to know the player quickly, especially, you know, I've always coached female players, it's very important that, that you learn about the player's background. You know what academies they come from. Know the language the junior coaches have used. You, you know what works for them and what doesn't work. You have to do your due diligence if you like and you know, that's extremely important. And you have to be an open mind and you have to talk to your players and listen to what they have to say. So I guess in a nutshell, for me, it's all about I take an honest look at the player and I do what has to be done. You know, I don't stereotype. I mean, if I get a player who plays like a Red Wanster or Wozniacki, um, you don't turn that player into a dominant serve and dominant forehand player. Take a look at each player and you do, you know, the right things and do what has to be done and make sure the organisation and playing structure is exactly right for them. Nice to talk to you. I think we probably will do this again at some point. We really appreciate you amongst many tuning in who don't always get to listen to us uh, live on a Monday night, but as everyone knows, this show is uh, podcasted for our sort of retrospective audience and you can catch up whenever and you're a great example of that tuning in from the US, Tom. So, yeah, great to have you on board tonight on the show and and let's reconvene and and, uh, pick your brain a little further down the track. Thanks so much for your time, Brett. It's a pleasure, mate. Thank you. The voice of uh, Tom Downs, Australian coach who's uh, working over in the US, who does listen to the podcast version of this show. In fact, I should just mention the first serve podcast version has been selected by Feedspot panellists as one of the top 30 SEN podcasts on the web. So you can check that out at podcast.feedspot.com. Uh, dot, uh, com, uh, for those of you who do listen uh, when we're uh, not doing this live at uh, 8 o'clock on a uh, Monday night. Off the 40 Winks uh, temper text, you can get your unique bed match profile and find the right bed for you. 40 Winks, serious about sleep. Uh, shout out to the Tennis Victoria team for organising and administrating what is a fantastic experience in the Premier League. Looking forward to the 2023 edition. Cliff from 
Clifton Hill. It all gets underway at Kuyong this Friday night. We'll be right across that uh, the next three weeks. A new study has revealed the world's uh, most researched female sports stars. And we have 15.6 million searches over the last year. Polish tennis star who will be in the final of the WTA finals tomorrow morning. Igor Fiontek ranks number one. So who else features? The team at Online Betting Guide have analysed the most loved sports stars of 2023, taking into account the female athletes with the most Google searches as part of the study, with Emma Raducanu and Coco Goff completing tennis's representation in the top three. So 15.6 million searches for Iga, 10.1 million for Coco, 9.6 million searches for Emma Raducanu. Naomi Osaka, who's going to be back, 5.4 million. Jessica Bagula in the final against us. Viontek in Cancun tomorrow morning, 4.3 million. Yonex... They are a magnificent setup. They support us here at the First Serve. You can check out their full range of rackets at yonix.com. The Perset 100, of course, was the latest out around the US Open. Thank you for your company, everyone. Hit them well during the week. Good luck to the Aussies. Catch us on 9 tomorrow and Thursday night in the Billy Jean King Cup, and I'll talk to you next Monday, 8 o'clock.